our feet and could we welcome Pastor Dean Wallace as he comes. Give him a hand and welcome him today. Awesome. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you again. It's been a year since I was here last. Can you believe it? You can grab a seat, Patrick. What's that? You can grab a seat, mate. Oh. <laughs> oh, Thank you. <laughs> It's amazing what happens behind you, eh? Yeah, what's going on? What is going on? Hey, well done, church. Five baptisms. How good is that? So good. I love hearing the stories of what Jesus is doing in people's lives and, and the changes that he's bringing. And how blessed are you guys? I don't know any other church that can go tubing in their baptismal tank. That is unique. That is very good. Well done. But look, I really want to thank um, Pastor Jeremy and Anita for the opportunity to be able to speak with you for a few moments today about the work of compassion, the Christ-centred, church-based, child-focused organisation who have been releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name for 70 years this year. Started in 1952. Um, and it's grown from 34 children in Seoul, Korea, during the Korean War in 1952 to the point where today there's just over 2.1 million children who are currently in the program. So God's done an amazing work and helped a lot of children out through this ministry. And look, what I thought I would do, because many of you um, have not met me before and don't know me, so I thought as a way of introducing myself to you and, and giving you an insight into the way that I think, um, when you get to know me, you'll know that I'm a bit of a ponderer. I like to sort of sit and um, ponder the mysteries of the universe, some of those unanswered questions of what happens in life. So I thought I'd share a few of my more recent ones with you today. And the first one is, I'll call these help me understand type questions. So the first one is, help me understand why jeans full of holes and rips are worth $150 from the shop, but jeans with no holes in them, good quality from Kmart, are only worth $35. Help me understand that. I mean, let alone the sunburn aspect we've got to deal with. I don't quite understand that. And help me understand why do not touch is written in Braille. <laughs> I don't quite understand that one. How does that work? Do not, oh, do not, oh, I don't get that one. And help me understand when optional oils became essential. Help me understand that one. I mean, back in my day, when you got a headache, you'd just have a couple of Panadol and you'd lie down and for an hour or two and it go away. Now, we've got these drops and oils, a little bit behind the ear and a couple of drops under the tongue. And then you have a couple of Panadol and lie down and <laughs> it goes away. And look, they're just, they're just some of the fun stuff I think about sometimes. Pastor Jeremy's probably thinking, where is this going? Who gave this guy the microphone? But I do actually ponder some of the more serious questions in life as well and and there's questions that I have where I think why is this so like help me understand why in Australia 
Every single one of us, on average, every single year, throw 297 kilograms of edible food in the bin. Yet 3.1 million children around the world won't reach their fifth birthday due to malnutrition. Help me understand that. Help me understand how 1.6 billion people, almost 20% of the population on earth today, still live in substandard housing. Yet every single night in Australia, there is almost 7 million empty bedrooms in homes across the country. Help me understand that. And help me understand how in Australia, we are one of the most wealthy, affluent nations on the earth with one of the highest standards of living. Yet the studies show that one in three Australians struggle with some form of anxiety. Help me understand that. Because that, that paints a pretty clear picture to me that the accumulation of stuff doesn't bring joy. Amen. That the accumulation of wealth, while it might bring choices, it doesn't bring peace. And I might not understand everything, but one thing I do know is that here in Australia, we are truly blessed. But that blessing is for a purpose. That blessing is for a reason. And that reason is not that we can stockpile it for ourselves, but that purpose is so that we can reach out and help others in need. And so I want to thank you, church, for your partnership. I want to thank you for partnering with us at Compassion. We really appreciate what we're doing together in releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. I think it's just amazing that as families and individuals within Vineyard Christian Church, that right now together we're helping to see 24 children to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. That's awesome. You should give yourselves a hand with that. You should. Because not only are you helping that child, but you're also inspiring their family and empowering their local church as well. And not only are you releasing 24 children from poverty, but what also excites me is that many of you are also writing letters to your children. In the last 12 months, there's been 58 letters that have been exchanged between sponsor and sponsor child. And I love that. I love that because Pastor Jeremy, you would know this as someone who's visited the field and seen the work in action. These kids truly value the letters that they get from their sponsors. They treasure them. They love them. They are some of their most most precious possessions, prized possessions. Because we need to understand that for these kids growing up in poverty, outside of their family home, 
They're viewed as a burden on society. They're viewed as uneducated, unhealthy, no value, no purpose. And then somebody in Australia chooses to sponsor them. And then they get a letter from this person in Australia that gives an insight into who this person is who has chosen them. Who writes words of of meaning and purpose and value into their life, letting them know that, that they matter. They matter to God and they matter to us. That they do have value, that they do have purpose and that God does have a plan for their life. And I love that. So if you are sponsoring one of those children or you have sponsored a child in the past, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your generosity. You really are making a difference in the life of that child. You really are. Especially in this COVID-19 season. I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but... The COVID-19 pandemic, it's actually supercharged poverty around the world. With the World Banking Organisation predicting that at least 150 million people who had worked their way out of extreme poverty are going to be pushed back into it again. Because we need to understand that, that these countries where compassion is involved, there is no government stimulus package. There is no financial aid handouts. These families are just doing the best that they can with what they've got. And lockdown for these kids. Man, lockdown, it's it's not in a four-bedroom home and two living areas and two bathrooms. Lockdown for these kids is in a six or seven members of the same family in a little shack, not much bigger than our standard garden shed. This is a photo that I took on a trip that I went to the Philippines, and this is... A family home. It's not a room of a family. This is the whole home. And that's that's the mum over on the side leaning against the wall. And I remember when we we went to her church, we visited the church that she was a part of, and the pastor said, oh, would you like to show these people your home? And she was so excited. She was, we had to jog to keep up with her because she was walking so fast and she said, come on, come on, come on. She was so excited and so proud to show us her little home. And this is what lockdown is like for these kids. It really is a difficult time. But I wanted to show you that and let you know what's happening in their world to help you understand that your sponsorship, it means so much in this season. I think it means more now than ever before in the current season. But what does it look like? What does your sponsorship look like on the ground? How is your sponsorship helping children during this uh, pandemic season? I've got a video that I want to show you of um, just an update from the the national director in Indonesia, where you guys are partnering, because you guys are partnering in the island of Alor, Indonesia. That's where those 24 children, most of those 24 children are from, the island of Alor in Indonesia and beyond. And so I want to give you an update uh, from the, the national director to let you know what's happening 
with the children over there at the moment. If we can play that first video, thanks. Greetings, friends, sponsors, donors. Thank you for being the partners of compassion, especially in Indonesia. Praise the Lord, we serve more than 700 church partners. God has trusted us more than 160,000 children and youth together across Indonesia. When we see the children and the youth in Indonesia to this pandemic, there's a few things that they struggled one for sure. They cannot go to the projects. And second is that they have to study from home. A lot of their parents, they lost their job or maybe they lost their accounts. So the stress level becomes higher in the house. And increase, increasing of the uh, child use. Released with the COVID, we have three focus areas. First is health. We ensuring all the children will able to get food for them and also their families. Also get trained on how to do COVID protocols, wash hands. We do not want the family become totally dependent on the food packages. So we provide the trainings and also the seats for them to supplement that so that we provide them the ability to learn to service themselves by growing vegetables, other kind of foods in the surrounding of their houses. And the second is related with the child protections. Our mentor, our tutor, the pastor makes sure that we do a parental monitoring what happened with the children, the youth, pray for them and make sure there's no abnormality in their behavior. We make sure that we address it immediately. They provide virtual interventions. Indonesia just has Cyclone Saroja here. So what Compassion Indonesia done in that area is provide a food package, counseling for the children. Also, we plan to build 440 houses for our beneficiaries in the next couple of months. We have one story about one youth. Her name is Chika. She just joined a saving group this year and she has been chosen as the leader of the savings group. With this position, she learned how to become a leader. She's now in a university with savings group. She learned how to manage her money. I believe that God is in charge. One day, when we see what happened this day, we can see how his work is good for us. You as sponsor and daughter play a very huge and strategic role in the compassion ministry, especially in Indonesia. From the bottom of my heart, I would like to thank you for all the things that you have done for our children in Indonesia. Thank you. Terima kasih untuk dukungannya. Kami anak-anak Indonesia berdoa untukmu, bersyukur untukmu. Semangat. As you can see, life's been pretty tough for these kids in Indonesia, but compassion is committed, even in the middle of a global pandemic, to make sure that every registered child is known, loved, and cared for. In fact, I, I met with that, uh, the national director. Um, I was lucky enough to be in Bandung, Indonesia in 2019 and met with him and had a coffee with him. 
And I asked him and said, what's your vision for Indonesia? What do you want to see happen? And he said, we have 160,000 children at the moment, but my vision is to see 250,000 children in the next five years sponsored. And, and I, I just love that. I think that is just amazing. 250 million children, a quarter, uh, sorry, 250,000 children, a quarter of a million children in one of the most populous Muslim nations on Australia's doorstep being discipled and introduced to Jesus. That changes the nation. And I love that. I love his heart for his country and I love his heart for the youth over there. And again, I just want to thank you, church, for becoming involved in these children's lives, for noticing them, letting them know that they're not forgotten, for becoming engaged in their need and their situation. And I guess you could almost say, like, thank you for crossing the road and becoming engaged in their need just like a good Samaritan. And that's actually what I want to talk about for a few moments today. I want to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan, just to encourage our hearts and help us understand God's heart for the needy, God's heart for us, and where we can play out that story. Because I love the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think it's probably one of, if not the most, well-known Bible stories. Yeah, even people outside of church world understand that the, the gold standard of love in action is the Good Samaritan and to become a Good Samaritan. But my question is, what made the Samaritan good? What caused him to become the hero in the story? And how can his story relate to us today? And the reason I want to bring up this story today is because, I don't know about you, but whenever I read the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, most of the time, most of the time when I'm reading that story, I relate more with the priest and the Levite in the story, being too busy, being preoccupied, seeing a need but not wanting to get involved. Most of the time I identify with the priest and the Levite. Occasionally, I might identify with the Good Samaritan. You know, I was seeing a need and getting involved, helping someone change a tyre, carrying someone's bag, you know, just some area. Occasionally, I might see myself as the Good Samaritan. But I don't think, very rarely, if ever, have I identified myself with the man who was wrong. Yet I believe that you and I can identify with his story a lot more than we might realise. So I've called this message today the fourth perspective. The fourth perspective. Because I want us to look through this parable today through fresh eyes. I want us to look through this parable in a way that maybe we haven't looked at it before. I want us to look through this parable and, and how this story would have played out through the eyes of the man who was robbed and his perspective on what was happening. So I've called it the fourth perspective. And so with that in mind, viewing this story through his eyes, 
I want to read it out to us. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man, some virgins say a certain Jew, a man or a certain Jew was traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man pass by on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell in the hands of Robert? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. When we put ourselves in the shoes of the man who was robbed and see how the story would have played out through his eyes. I believe that we have been in that situation maybe more times than we realise. Verse 30, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. In other words, this guy, he would have been feeling beat up. He would have been feeling ripped off, vulnerable, overlooked and undervalued. And I don't know about you, but I think there's times in all of our lives when we feel that same way. Especially in this COVID season. I mean, maybe you, you haven't been physically attacked, but definitely in conflict with others having a different point of view of, of how things should be handled and, and how things should be done. And, and like I say, maybe not a physical altercation, but definitely in conflict with other people. Maybe you felt ripped off in this season, robbed. Maybe you felt pushed around and vulnerable. Maybe you felt overlooked and undervalued in this season. And it could be in any area of our life. It could be in our employment. It could be in our marriage, in our finances, in our health. There's times in all of our lives when we just feel like things are out of our control and that we are just being pushed around and viewing the world from the fourth perspective. So if that's you today, you feel like you're viewing the world from the fourth perspective, I just want to encourage us with two quick thoughts. The first one is this. 
If you feel like you are viewing the world from the fourth perspective, always remember that help doesn't always come when we expect, but it does come. If you feel like you're viewing the world from the fourth perspective today, always know that we serve a faithful God. Our God is a good God. We were just singing about it earlier on, where we are, how good he is all the days of our life. So, so good to me. We serve a faithful God. And if we think about this guy, it, it, it might have taken three attempts to get help to this guy who was beaten up. But eventually it did come. It might not have come when he wanted it to come. And it may not have come through who he was expecting it to come. But help did come. So I want to encourage you, church, if you feel like you're in a tough season right now, be encouraged and know that help is on its way. It will come to you. God will answer your prayers. God will bring the breakthrough in your life because he is a faithful God. Like Psalm 46 verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. So that's my first thought. God is ever-present in your trouble. He's with you. He sees you. He notices you. He knows what's going on in your life and he feels for you. So help is on its way. That's number one. Is that help doesn't always come when we expect but it does come. And number two, second thought, is the familiar is not always our friend and the unfamiliar is not always our enemy. I'm going to say that again. The familiar is not always our friend and the unfamiliar is not always our enemy. See, for this Jew who was beaten up, the sight of a priest or a Levite would have been such a relief, wouldn't it? He would have seen this priest and this Levite coming in the road and he would have been thinking, ah, I know these guys. I've seen these guys around town. They have a reputation for doing God's work. They are familiar to me. Surely they will bring some relief in my situation. But they cross by on the other side of the road. It wasn't someone familiar or known to the man that helped him out that day. It was actually someone unfamiliar that helped him navigate one of the most difficult seasons in his life. And I believe it's the same for you and I, church. I believe that we cannot afford to sit in a place of, of judgment towards others because who knows? God might actually choose them to help us navigate an incredibly difficult season in our life and be the greatest blessing to us. Amen. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how humbling this must have been for this this Jewish guy to receive help from a Samaritan. I mean, all of his life he'd been taught to hate these people. All of his life he'd been taught that, that, that they were uneducated, they were 
undervalued. They, they, no one cared about who the Samaritans were. They were poor. They were, they were outskirts of society. All of his life, he'd been taught to view them that way. Yet it was a Samaritan that helped him in a difficult season. That would have been so incredibly humbling. But when I think of the whole point of the parable, the, the whole um, purpose that Jesus was trying to instill, the kind of thinking, the kind of vision, the kind of understanding that Jesus was trying to instill into his audience that day, the whole point of the story that Jesus was making was to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. But I think, how can we love our neighbour until we've taken their view of the world into consideration. I mean, it was no real surprise, was it, that the priest and the Levite crossed the road and, and didn't get involved in this guy's life with, with no empathy or no compassion because they had never viewed the world from that place. They had never experienced what it was to be beaten up and pushed around and overlooked and undervalued. For the priest and the Levite, their whole world was wrapped up in making judgments about others' behaviours and conducts. Their whole world was one of honour and privilege, esteem and respect. So they couldn't put themselves in that situation because they had never viewed the world from that perspective. They'd never experienced it. But the Samaritan. He knew exactly what it felt like to be beat up and pushed around. He knew exactly what it felt like to be put aside and, and overlooked and undervalued. So when he saw this guy on the side of the road beat up and hurting, he saw himself. So he had compassion and empathy to engage in that situation. And I believe one of the reasons why the work of compassion is so incredibly effective in the field is because so many of the children that have graduated the program and are doing great things with their life now have chosen to sew back in to the next lot of children coming through. They could be doing anything with their lives, but they've chosen to put aside careers to invest in the next lot of children coming through the program because they see themselves They've been there. They've viewed the world from their perspective and they want to help them and have compassion on them. So what does it mean for us? How does this story relate to us and our view of the world from the fourth perspective? Well, for me, it helps me understand and realise that all of us are but one tragedy, one heartbreak, one wrong mindset and one bad decision away from living life from the fourth perspective. So we can't afford to be proud and sit in a place of judgment towards others. Instead, when we see someone in need, we need to see ourselves. Because it's only when we see ourselves in the face of others in need that we will choose to engage and choose to pay a price to help that person in that difficult situation. And that's where 
sponsoring a child with compassion comes in. Because it gives us a very real opportunity to help a child in need, to view ourselves in them. What would I want someone to do if I was in that situation? If I was a parent of that child, what would, what would I want people's response to be towards our family? When we see ourselves in the faces of these children in need, that's when we will engage. That's when we'll become involved. And I just want to finish today with a video. This is a video of a, a young lady in Kenya named Jennifer, Jennifer Kateri. And I love this video because it paints a great picture of not only the difference that sponsorship makes in the life of a child, but it also paints a great picture of the relationship that can be built between the sponsor and their child. So if we could play that video of Jennifer, thanks. I am Jennifer Gitiri and I'm from Kenya. Growing up with a single parent in the slum was very, very difficult for me. Really living hard to mouth because if my mom went to look for employment or even wash other people's clothes, if she came in the evening with a dollar, that's what we would use to buy a meal and eat at that particular time. If we wake up tomorrow, there's nothing to eat, then we'd take a glass of water and run to school. But Compassion I opened a project at a church near our home. And for the first time as a young girl, I saw hope. Compassion provided for everything. They gave me books. When I was sick, Compassion would pay for my medical care. And I'm also thankful to my sponsor who was very, very encouraging. You know, just writing letters of encouragement, telling me that you can make it, you can do it. Your past should not determine your future. I believe my sponsors were God sent. When we wrote to Jennifer, it was important to let her know that we really cared about her. I just said what a mother would say. You know, we're so proud of you. We're so proud that your grade card is good and that you've done such a good job. I remember vividly our neighbor's child was raped. The child was 10 years. And these were the kind of things that I saw growing up that really made me decide to be a lawyer, someone who could speak for the rights of those who cannot speak for themselves. The beginning of this year, I joined the Kenya School of Law so that now I can be admitted into the bar and become an advocate in the High Court of Kenya. This summer, I went to the United States of America to, to be an advocate. I shared passionately about my story and how my sponsors had made a difference in my life and they were brought on stage. It was life-changing just to, to see those two people who'd sacrificed their resources, who used to pray for me, who used to encourage me. So for, for me to see this, Two people was, was just amazing. Compassion gave us the opportunity to reach halfway around the world to rescue one little girl from whatever the future might have had in store for her. It makes me cry all the time when I think of how far God has brought me, you know, from the ditches of poverty.
to this so many times but it still moves me and there's two things that Jennifer said that I just love the first thing was when she said my children will never know poverty my children will know the word of God to me that says the generational cycle of poverty is broken in Jesus name and the second thing is when she said my, when I see these faces on the table in the packet, my heart's broken because 17 years ago, I was just a face in a packet. Just a child on a table in a church service, just like this. No one had any idea what God had in store for her life. But somebody chose to see themselves in Jennifer's story and to become involved in her life. And I think... Sponsoring a child, it's $48 a month, less than $1.60 a day. I think in the big scheme of my life, would I, would I miss $1.60 a day? Probably not. Would that $1.60 make a difference in the lives of one of these children? Absolutely it does. I know for me and my family, we've, we've chosen to sponsor three children. We've got John and Princess in the Philippines and little Jose, Dominican Republic, and they're our sponsor family. They're our sponsor son and sons and sponsor daughter. And do you know what it costs me to sponsor those three children with everything that sponsorship adds to their life? Food, clothing, education, medical care, dental care, introduced to the local church, introduced to Jesus on a discipleship journey, a leadership path. You know what it costs me to sponsor those three kids? Cost me less than $5 a day. Less than one cup of coffee a day. And the good news is, is I still have my cup of coffee every day. Because <laughs> God's got a way of doing that, doesn't he? When we choose to engage with others, when we choose to reach out and help another, God's got this way of increasing our capacity. In fact, my Bible tells me that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, not smaller and smaller. And so if you are sponsoring a child today, I want to say thank you. You really are making a difference in the life of that child. But who knows? Maybe you've got room for one more. Maybe you've got room for one more family to eat from your table, to come under the care that you can provide. I'd love to give you that opportunity today. I've got a number of children with me today in desperate need of sponsorship. So I'd love to be able to talk with you and, and maybe explain uh, any questions that you might have. But please, come and talk to me and consider sponsoring a child. That would be fantastic. I just want to close in prayer right now. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness upon our life. 
God, we are so, so blessed. And as we were praying, as we were singing, you have been so, so good to us. Father, I pray that we don't try and contain that blessing. I pray that we don't try and build bigger barns. But God, I pray that we use what we have to become a blessing to others and experience the joy in that, seeing you at work in our lives through that. Father, I pray that our heart of thankfulness will well up to the point that it overflows into the lives of others. God, you truly are a good, good God doing good things in our lives. And we are forever thankful for that. In Jesus' name, we praise you, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Jeremy. Can we thank Pastor Dean? Give him a hand. Can I just say, as someone who first hand, I, I got the privilege just before COVID decided to become a thing, 